How many of you have ever heard uh, the phrase, uh, the, uh, the frog in the kettle? It's kind of an old proverb, the frog in the kettle. Anybody ever heard of that? Uh, now, the, the idea behind that, that, if you will, parable or phrase is, is if you put a, fro a frog in boiling water, which I have no idea why anyone would put a frog in boiling water, but if you put a frog in boiling water, it's going to jump out to try to save itself, right? That's the idea. But if you put a frog in warm water and gradually begin to turn up the heat, the frog will stay there until the, it gets so hot and the frog dies. That's the idea of the frog in the kettle. Now, what does that mean? Why am I saying that? Because humanity, humanity is like this. Humanity is like the frog in the kettle, especially, I believe, more than anything in the days that we are living, we're like a frog in the kettle. Humanity is like frog in the kettle. The world, the world is the kettle. And what I want you to hear this morning is sin is the water. And gradually, if we're not careful, we, be like, we become like the frog in the kettle and that it just gradually begins to increase, the temperature increase until it kills us. The hope is that at some point there will be a sudden realization of what is really happening, the truth. You know, you ever look in the mirror in the morning and, and of course, as you get older, you look in the mirror and you go, oh, well, who is that person, you know? <laughs> look in the mirror and it's like how did that gray hair and wrinkles get there right but you ever look in the mirror one day and say how did you get here you know do you ever look in the mirror and say who am I becoming or who have I become it's a sudden realization that there's that reality has set in it's kind of like driving down the road you ever been driving down the road and maybe, maybe you're tired and you kind of nod off, or maybe you get distracted or you're, you're daydreaming, you drive. Hopefully not, right? But I think all of us probably know what I'm talking about. But you get distracted, you're driving down the road, and before long you realize, man, I just veered off the road. Am I the only person ever done that? You know? And whatever it takes, whatever causes that, I've seen people, especially in this day of, of, of cell phones and texting. I followed people and I see they're just gradually going off the road, coming back. And, and that happens. But I think what happens, and, and the reason I say it this way is because I believe all of us, all of us have woken up at one point in our lives and realized that we are outside the lines of life. You know what I'm saying? In the natural sense, you wake up and you realize I'm overextended, maybe overextended financially. And all of a sudden, you know, you've been doing this or that. And, and all of a sudden, you wake up and you realize I'm overextended financially. Maybe I have, I've allowed myself to get into to debt. Or maybe I, I've got, just got too much month left at the end of my money. And, and you just wake up and realize, how did I get here? Maybe you're overextended in time. Am I the only person that finds myself overextended in time? You know, it's like I keep obligating myself to do so much and so much more. And I, and I wake up and I go, how can I do all this, right? Maybe, maybe you've made one bad decision after another. Anybody ever go through a time where you feel like I just made, 
I didn't try to make bad decisions. I didn't intend to make, but I just made bad, one bad decision after another, and I wake up and realize, what have I done? In a spiritual sense, you suddenly realize I've crossed the line. I'm not where God wants me to be. I'm not where I want to be in God, and I, I'm not where I thought I would be at this point in my life. Anybody? Okay? Maybe you find yourself living in your own little world, your own reality, and you, you, all of a sudden you wake up and you realize you've been lying your way through life. You've been kind of creating your own reality, and you wake up and you go, wait a minute, that's not real. Maybe you find yourself in a position or in a relationship you shouldn't be in. And you wake up one day and go, I shouldn't be here. I don't need to be where I'm at. See, the bottom line is that you suddenly realize you have been like the frog in the kettle and that you've crossed over this line at some point. And you suddenly realize that. Anybody connecting with what I'm saying? Anybody experience this? Jesus says in, in Matthew 7, verse 13, he says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. I want to read that again because I want you to grasp the context of that. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to what? Destruction. destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Verse 14, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Listen to those words. Narrow is the gate and difficult. I'm going to accentuate difficult is the way. Too many people believe that being a Christian is supposed to be the easy way out. It's, it's supposed to be easy. I'm telling you. The narrow gate, Jesus says, is difficult. It's a difficult way of life. It's a difficult way uh, to live your life. Jesus said that. I didn't make that up. He says, narrow is the gate. Difficult is this way which leads to life. And there are few. Many find this broad road. Many go on this broad road and, and, and they find destruction. But few, he says, few find this road to life. You see, Jesus is talking here about sin. He's talking and telling us how to establish guardrails in our lives that keep us on track or keep us from veering off the side of the road. Set guardrails in your life. Or you wake up and realize I've been the frog in the kettle. The problem today and this day that we live in is that the, the lines have become blurred. It's hard to set guardrails when you don't see the lines. And people don't know today the lines between right and wrong. The lines have become blurred and people don't know what sin is. And they find themselves... Like the frog in the kettle. 
And they're constantly back and forth, and they're on that broad road. Jesus says you got to find that narrow road. In the Old Testament, sin was basically, it was disobedience. Sin in the Old Testament was a list of do's and don'ts that people quickly realized they couldn't fulfill, and they needed a Savior. That was the Old Testament law. The New Testament defines sin as missing the mark. It's not a set of rules or do's and don'ts. It's a person you follow. It's a person you have to, to set your eyes on. His name is Jesus. He is the Savior because we can't do it. We need him to help us. We need to follow him to keep us on and between the lines and on the path. We will never find we will f- never find the narrow path, the narrow gate. We'll never find it unless our eyes are on him. Sin is missing the mark. It's veering off the path. It's, it's no longer following Jesus. The frog in the kettle all of a sudden wake up, wait a minute, I'm not following him. Wait a minute, I'm not lo- in love with God anymore. Wait a minute, I'm not reading my Bible. I'm not praying. I'm not intent about serving him anymore. The Bible says that in the last days, the lines are going to become blurred. That people will call right wrong and wrong right. That's the day we live in, folks, and I'm telling you, we are, I'm, I, you know, last night I couldn't hardly sleep. I was wrestling because of this message. And I knew in my heart that God had, God had put this message on my heart weeks and weeks ago. And I've been just waiting for the right time. But I'm telling you, church, we have to be aware of where we're at and the times we live and that we are like the frog in the kettle. But we have to stop and realize, keep our eyes on Jesus. We have to know that there is a narrow gate and that that we have to keep our eyes on him to find life. The road is becoming broader and broader in the world we live. And we like this proverbial frog people begin to just accept sin. It's acceptable now. Well, I'm telling you, sin is not. Sin is not acceptable because sin means missing the mark. Anything, anything that causes or takes your eyes off Jesus is missing the mark. Anything. You know, the Bible does name sin. It does tell us what things or sins. But those are, if you will, activities or those are certain things. But I'm telling you in the New Testament life, it's about following Jesus. And if we get our eyes off him, what what it is, sin becomes that the way we find ourselves off the path. There's another word, there's another word other than sin that I want to talk about that people don't understand. It's the word iniquity. Say iniquity. Most people think iniquity is sin, but iniquity is more, and it's worse than sin. What could be worse than sin? Iniquity is worse than sin. I heard Jack Hayford years ago. I I was in a class with him, and he explained iniquity the best I've ever heard it. And what he said was, iniquity is like trying to walk on a sidewalk 
and you keep veering off the side into the mud. And after a while, the mud dries up and your shoes are caked with it. That's what iniquity is. Iniquity is keep veering off the path and your shoes, your life, your heart, your mind gets caked with sin. Before long, you can't see the path. You don't know where the path is at and you just simply stay off to the side. That's what iniquity is. Are you learning anything? Amen. Okay. Jesus, in speaking about the last days in Matthew 24, verse 12 and 13. Listen to what he says. And because lawlessness, you know what that word lawlessness is? Iniquity. Because iniquity will abound or increase, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures or stays on the path shall be saved. I'm going to say that again because you got to grasp. He's talking about the last days. He's saying there, because iniquity will increase, people staying off the path, veering off, people not knowing anymore what sin is, not knowing when they're off the path, and their lives and their hearts have been so caked with this thing called sin, it's not following Jesus anymore, that the iniquity will increase and that their love, their love of God will grow cold, their love of people will grow cold. But he's probably he says, but anyone who endures or gets back on the path, stays on the path, shall be saved. Shall be saved. We've been talking about the renewed mind over the last few weeks. And we've used the, the book, of, we've used Romans 12 too, as the foundation scripture for this whole series on the renewed mind. Romans 12, 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world. Don't let yourself become the frog. Are you hearing me? Don't take your eyes off Jesus and follow to the point that you're veered off the side of the road. Are you hearing me, church? And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, why do our minds need to be renewed? It's a question because we don't, most, most times we don't talk about renewing our minds in that way. But I want to tell you today, your mind has to be renewed every single day. It's a constant, everyday thing that you need to do. Why? Because Romans 8, 7 says that the unrenewed mind is war against God. It's enmity. It's hostile. The unrenewed mind is hostile. The, the mind set on the flesh, in other words, the mind that is not fixed on Jesus, the mind that is fixed on other things that causes it to veer off to the side, is hostile against God. The, the unrenewed mind is war against God. How many want to be at war against God? I, I think if there's anybody that we're going to be against. It better not be God, right? Amen. If there's the fear of the Lord within us. See, our minds need to be renewed because we're the, we are the proverbial frogs in the kettle. Every one of us are. We're in the, we live in this life. 
The Bible says that we, Jesus said, you are of this world, but you, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. You don't have to be of this. You, you are, if in a sense, you're like the frog, but we can constantly be reminded and set our eyes on Jesus so we don't become the frog in the kettle. And the reason is because narrow is the gate, difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it. See, our minds must be renewed daily to keep us between the lines. That's the title of my message today, is Between the Lines. I think it's, it's, a, it's a mindset that every one of us need to have when we wake up every day, I got to stay between the lines. How do I stay between the lines? I got to get my, get my eyes from the very first breath in the morning. I got to get my eyes on Jesus. I got to wake up praying. I got to wake up worshiping. I, I got to be intent on his word. I gotta, I've got to stay between the lines. I got to keep my eyes on Jesus. I want you to turn. I told you I to turn to the Second Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to start reading at verse 3. And I'm going to take my time with this passage here this morning there's, because there's a lot I want you to see about the renewed mind. I'm talking in this passage, and what I want to do today and share with you is, is, is about the renewed mind, okay? It's how to renew our minds daily. So Second uh, Corinthians 10, verse 3 says, for though we walk, that word walk means to live, for though we walk in the flesh. How many know we live in the flesh? We live in the world. That word flesh simply means natural. We live in the natural world. Anybody not live in the natural world? <laughs> okay. For though we, we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. In other words, we don't war according to natural things. Our battle is not against the natural things, the natural world. You've got to grasp that. Our war is not against that. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That's the same word as flesh, same word in the Greek. For It says, for though we walk or live in the flesh, the natural, then it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, or they're not natural. And so we... The world we live in and our war is not against natural things and our weapons are not natural things. Are you understanding? Okay. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. We're told that those weapons that are not natural in this war that is not in the natural, that, that our weapons are mighty in God. They're mighty, they're powerful. That word mighty is dunamis. It means like an explosion, like you have a bomb <laughs> at your disposal in the spirit to be able to fight this war with. These are, they're mighty in God for what purpose? The pulling down of strongholds. Did you hear that? Did you see that? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for what? Pulling down strongholds. That word Pulling down means demolishing, not pushing them aside. Sin must be demolished. Okay? For the pulling down of strongholds. Now, we're going to talk more about strongholds. I'm actually going to, I'm going to demonstrate strongholds to you. But strongholds are fortresses of thought. 
their fortresses in our minds, their mindsets, their attitudes. Strongholds are, are fortresses of thought, mindsets, and attitudes. Verse 5 says, casting down, or again, that's the word demolishing, casting down arguments. Arguments, that word in the Greek is, and we're going to talk a little more about this, is logismos. This is where you've got to start really listening. You've got to make some notes. Stay focused because I'm going to teach you. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar or anything like that, but I do know, I do know what these words mean, and I want to share them with you. And I want you to see not so much to learn the words, but to learn the ideas. This word logismos means arguments. It means imagination or reasoning. Okay, what he's, what, we're going to talk about that. We'll come back to it. I'm tempted to jump right into it. But, but these arguments, casting down legismos are arguments and every high thing. Now, arguments in our mind come from fortresses of thought or mindsets or attitudes. That's where arguments come from. And they are elevated in our mind to places of authority. That's what he's talking about when he says in every high thing. It's we elevate our thoughts, our mindsets that have been created in our lives from strongholds in our lives. We elevate them to a place of authority. You hearing me? So every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Okay? Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What that says is we tear down those strongholds. We have to tear down or demolish those arguments that have been created from those mindsets. We have to tear them down and bring them under the authority of Jesus Christ. That's how we make Jesus the, the high thing. Obedience, high thing. It becomes the authority in our life. It's the only way it becomes the authority. We have to tear down and we have to build up that him as the authority in our life. Verse 6, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Punish. We ever think about that? Punish. He says, and being ready. Remember our, my message a couple weeks ago was was ready church. Remember that? It was the church has got to be ready for the times we live in. He says here, and being ready to punish all disobedience. That means disobedience in your life. Punish the things that are pulling you off of keeping your eyes on Jesus. Punish those things in your life when your obedience is fulfilled. Okay? Our Obedience being fulfilled in Christ is subject to us punishing and destroying the disobedience in our lives. Am I, am I connecting? Or, okay, now we're going to go a little deeper. I had somebody tell me a couple weeks ago, I just want to hear something deep. Well, we ready to go a little deeper? I want to, uh, I'm going to demonstrate to you in just a minute something. But I want to demonstrate, what I'm going to demonstrate to you is, is this chapter on uh, 2 Corinthians 10. But I want to come back before I do that and lay, lay a quick foundation for you. It's the word strongholds I've already mentioned to you. Say strongholds. strongholds. I want you to understand, we most of the time think of strongholds as evil, demonic, they're bad, 
But strongholds are not evil demonic. They're fortresses. What fortress or kingdom do you belong to? Do you belong to and have strongholds that you're dealing with that are evil and bad based upon things in your life? Are you part of a different kingdom where the fortress is the the word of God and the things of God? Are you hearing me? So strongholds are not bad. Strongholds can be bad. Strongholds can be good, if you will. Strongholds are fortresses of thought. Remember that. They're they're not physical beings. They're they're not natural things. They're they're not things in this world. Their strongholds are fortresses of thought. They're mindsets that we have, attitudes. And they're created by words or experiences we go through in life. Those strongholds, are you with me? Okay, those strongholds create arguments, logismos. They create arguments that will tell us how we process life, how we deal with life, how we reason things out. Okay? So, first word, we're going to look at this word logismos. Say logismos. I had to practice all these a lot to say them. And there's one word I can't say here, but... but Logismos comes from three root words, okay? So just follow me. Don't get too upset about the depth of this. But logismos comes from three root words in the Greek. The first word I can't pronounce. I'll just tell you, okay? It should be up on the screen. Is it not up? Yes. I can't pronounce that word. But I'll tell you what it means. It means middle voice like a filter where we process things. So this logismos that is, it comes from these three root words, part of it is we develop a middle voice in our heart and minds, how we process things. Based upon the strongholds in our life, we will process things a certain way. We'll reason things out. We'll make decisions. We will have relationships. All of these things will be based on this argument of this middle voice. You can almost see a picture of this middle voice saying, come on, do this, you know. Hey, it's okay. You deserve this. Go ahead. You know, it's just, it's just for one night or, you know, go ahead and just do this. It'll be okay, right? It's a middle voice. That's that word. Logis, whatever it is. <laughs> okay? The second work, there you go. I'm glad I need you to preach this, George. <laughs> logismos, the second word, root word of logismos is logos. Now, logos, most people think is, is the word of God, but that's not correct. That's not the full story. Logos is a spoken word. In the Greek, it just simply means a spoken word. Now, in the Bible, The words of Jesus, the words of God, the word is logos. It is the spoken word of God. Make sense? But logos is also, I don't know if you've ever, you've ever had somebody speak and you just, man, that was like the devil talking to me. Or maybe you're, you're seeking, pressing into God and, and you hear a voice that's not God because you know what they're saying is wrong. That's logos. It's a spoken word, but it's evil and it's wrong. So logos is not always just the word of God. Logos, in the Bible, the word is, Jesus is logos. The devil 
And his words are logos. What he spoke to Jesus in the wilderness was logos. It was a spoken word to Jesus. Are you, are you tracking with me? The third, the third uh, root word in the Greek of logismos is the word lego. It's the word lego. And it means to lay forth in words. Lego is the building blocks of thought. Are you hearing me? Okay. Now, the company Lego will never tell you that that's what it is. They say it, it means to have fun or to be at play or something like that. But, but the, word, the Greek word Lego is the building blocks of thought. They, they are strongholds that develop. Okay, so I'll give you an example of that, and then I'm going to demonstrate this to you. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 27 and 20, listen to what he says. You have heard it said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Verse 28, but I say, that word is lego, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, he goes, if you look at that passage in, in Matthew 5, he goes through a whole bunch of these things. You have heard it said, this, and, but I say, that word is lego, I'm taking and tearing down the old strongholds, the old words, the old ideas of thought in your life, and I'm replacing them with these new building blocks of thought. It's the renew, Jesus in that passage is renewing our minds to think the way he thinks. Are you hearing me, church? That's Lego, okay? Now, you probably wondered what this is down front here, right? Don't move. It's the frog. It is Legos. Giant Legos. And I'm, now, see, this is the children's pastor in me coming out, right? Most of you don't know I was a children's pastor and and so this is kind of the old children's pastor coming out. I'm going to move these off to the side. We were, thank God for the ladies that were helping me. And I know this is going to freak Tiffany out because they're not, colors are not lined up just right. And, uh, but I want to demonstrate this passage of scripture this morning. I want you to see it. And, and I use Legos because that's the Greek word. These, those are the building blocks. These... Ah, uh, they will be. <laughs> My grandsons. These, these, are not, these are not Michael's Legos. He was famous in his Legos. And today, uh, he's an architect because he grew up with Legos. And so that's a cool story too, but that's a different story. Okay? But these Lego blocks represent words or experiences we have in life. And we, we're growing up maybe in our home Maybe it's not a godly home, and maybe we're, and don't worry about the colors, okay? They may match, they may not, but, but these can be words like, you know, you're no good. You know, they could be words like, like you'll never make it, or you'll never be anything, or these, these can be words that are lies, and, and they, could, they could be words like fear and anxiety and and bitterness and distrust and we, we, we find these, these words and, and they start being, becoming a building block in our life and I'm not 
I'm not building like I want to build here, but I want you to see the idea. These start becoming building blocks. And, you know, we could learn these. These blocks may come from our experience at home. They may come from our experience at school. You know, school can be a mean place, you know. They may come from, as we get older, from a workplace. They could come from friends. They could come from a lot of different things. But these things are strongholds that develop in our lives. And they become a fortress. They become the place and like a kingdom. And are you seeing that? And before long, we find ourselves imprisoned by the thoughts that have been created in our lives, by the fortress of thoughts. We are limited. We become limited. It's like we're in prison and we become limited in God's will and his purpose in our life because we are imprisoned in these thoughts. And everything that we do, every decision we make, every action we, we live is out of the middle voice, if you will. The, it comes out of the argument that's based on these strongholds this fortress. But God is so good. God is so good and he spoke through the apostle Paul and he teaches us in 2 Corinthians 10. He's, he's telling us there, God has a better plan for you. God has a better plan and, 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 he, and he tells us there that he wants us to dismantle, to demolish these things and begin to take them apart and, and that he gives us weapons that are not natural in order to do this, but we have to use them. Most people know this, but they don't use them. They don't realize or see that their lives have been built up by strongholds and that they're imprisoned and they're held captive and limited in their life by the strongholds, the fortresses of thought. And, and he says, they've got to be torn down. They've got to be demolished in your life because I can never, God says, I can never build in you what you were created to be until these old, these old fortresses of thought are destroyed. Destroyed. See, the problem is many people like their fortress because that's all they know. They don't know any different. God's saying, trust me. Trust me. Let's tear down those. Let's build up this, this new. And so God gave us weapons to do this. His word, prayer, worship. He gave us his word is, is, the, is the logos in which he wants us to build our lives out of, to build uh, uh, the stronghold of our lives. And what we do is we, we begin, we get these torn down through his word. And, and I'm going to tell you, it's a daily. This is the renewing of your mind. The tearing down of those old strongholds, those old fortresses is the daily renewing of your mind. You see, you may tear down fear. That may be what you do today. And you may begin to replace it with the fear of God or awe for God. 
So go study in the Bible. Go study the miracles of God, the things, you know, the parting of the Red Sea, the healing of, of people that Jesus did. Go, go study out the, the disciples and the apostles and, and the book of Acts and what they did because the power of the Holy Spirit. And you begin to be in awe. Remember the disciples were in awe and they did great and mighty works. But you gotta be, we've got to tear down fear. Say, maybe we, maybe we have to tear down other things like, like distrust, where we don't trust anybody except me. That's one place that a lot of people are caught up in today. I just, you know, I, I'll, I'll do this. I have to do this myself. And we have to learn how to replace that with faith. And what I want you to understand is faith, faith is different than what you think it is. Faith is surrender. It's surrendering to God. It's laying down your life. You see, we lay down our life. We trust him. We tear down these strongholds. And as we tear down these strongholds, hatred becomes love. And, and as we tear down these strongholds, Unforgiveness becomes forgiveness. And as we tear down these strongholds, things like distrust becomes trust. And, and, and we begin to walk in this new way of life. And, and it looks a little bit different. And, but what we create here, I'll make it look a little better there. How do you like that? Like that? I kind of like the way, the, the way God is creating the fortress in me. It's called the kingdom of God. Because when we, we're willing to tear down the old, to demolish the old, is the only way that we're going to ever become the new. It's the only way that, that God can create within us the mindsets, the middle voice, to be able to make the decisions according to his will, his purpose and his desires. Church, I'm telling you, our minds must be renewed daily. Daily. Every day, our minds must be renewed. I hope that, that you will see this in your minds every day. Take a block every day. Think about that. Open your heart to God and say, God, reveal to me what is it that's holding me back? Only you can do that. I mean, you may have a prophetic word and, you know, and something's holding you back, and that's fine, but most of us, we find out what's holding us back by looking here and going, oh, that's it. That is what I need. That is, that is the logos that's got to replace the old logos. That is the, the, the argument right there that's got to replace this old argument in my mind. Are you hearing me, church? You see, when we look into the Bible, when we look into the Word of God, we see Jesus. He is the example of who we are to become. None of us measure up against him. Thank God for his blood. We don't have to. We're forgiven. We have grace and mercy. But what are we becoming? We're becoming like him. We look in his word and he teaches us. He rebuilds us. He remakes us to be like him. 
he grows us into this new kingdom, this new fortress, where our decisions are made based upon his voice and his word, where our life begins to be focused on this path, this narrow path, this narrow gate, and we find comfort in staying on the path because we know we're with him. You see, when we look at when we look at where we're at today, every one of us have to stop and say, I relate to this. Because I want to tell you, every one of you have strongholds. Every one, I have strongholds. Maybe it from a childhood, maybe from a, 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 an experience, maybe it was from my rebellious days, probably more than that than anything. And, but there's th- there still things that will creep up at, at a moment where I, I don't want it to, where it messes me up and it changes the way I think and I have to stop right then and deal with it. I have to stop right then and pray through it. I have to stop right then and search it out in Scripture. You see, we must come to the place where we are relentless in the days we live, church, We have got to be relentless in our pursuit of God. I'm going to say that again. We have got to be relentless in our pursuit of God. No more, well, if I had time. No more. I'm telling you, that will not cut it in these last days. It will not cut it. You either are going to be relentless in your pursuit of God or you're going to find yourself once again off the path, once again building up and caking up that mud on your feet, once again rebuilding the old strongholds in your life. You've got to be relentless. Jesus says, and difficult is this. Difficult is this. We must come to the place. And I'm closing. Band, you can go ahead, worship team, come back. We must hear these words because this is what brings us to this place of willingness. It's called humble repentance. Humble repentance says, man, I I know I'm not there. You know, the apostle Paul said that. He says, I haven't arrived. I'm going to tell you, Pastor Steve has, I'm a long ways. And every one of you are too. Humble repentance brings us to the place. It says, man, I need God more than anything. You know the word repentance, you know what it means? It just simply means to change the way you think. And we can't do that on our own. You can't change the way you think on your own. You've got to humbly submit yourself in faith to God and say, God, I have a problem with trust and faith. God, let's tear down that stronghold. Let's build a new stronghold. God, I I have a hard time with this and or with that. And you got to get in touch with God. Humble repentance will begin to expose those things to you in your life. It's not a discipline. It comes by daily surrendering yourself to him, to his word, to prayer, to worship. I want to close this way this morning because this begins today. 
over the last few weeks, I've, I've, seen, I've seen something very beautiful. People coming to the altars again. And I just want to invite you to find a place around the altar, a place at your seat. I just want to invite you today to submit yourself and whatever this means to you to humble repentance. Let this be the day that we begin. Would you stand to your feet and as I'm talking and as we're as the band begins to play in just a moment, just find a place at these altars. Find a place at the altar in your chair, but find a place. Let's just find a place right now of humble repentance. Father, I, I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will touch every person's heart right now this morning. God, I, I pray this way, that you would bring a loving, holy conviction upon each one of us that would reveal where we're at in you that would cause us to come to this place of holy repentance. Lord, that you would cause us to put a stop to where, to the constant wandering off the path. A stop, Lord. Clean up, Lord, our shoes, our hearts, our lives. Clean up, Lord, our lives. And God, today, help us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Help us to fix our eyes on him so we never wander off this path again. And so, Father, we just thank you, Lord, today. We thank you, God, for this.